I, I consulted with doctors, with nutritionists, uh, and I, I think I tried almost everything that one can imagine that can help. I, I couldn't find what, what, what's wrong, what was wrong, what was happening. I took a, a, a flight to Melbourne, we did the test, and I think that was the best, the best decision I, I, I have taken in, in the last few years. Hello and welcome to the Long Munch, the nutrition podcast for runners, cyclists and triathletes. I'm your host, Steph Gaskell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan McCubbin. How are you, Alan? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Steph. It's been a, uh, a great weekend in uh, running, cycling and triathlon, actually. There's been so much racing happening here in Australia and great to see you know so much racing back on the calendar and, and things happening. So... Yeah, it's been really interesting to to follow along, follow you know athletes that that you work with and um, in everything they do and 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 checking out results as as they come through, which is always a uh, a fun experience. And then um, trying to get out uh, to the beach this week, which was great, good nice weather. But um, yeah, like in terms of results, obviously like Emma Jeffcoat, who was in episode two B with us, won um, yep. the Australian Sprint Distance uh, Triathlon championship awesome. in down in Devonport over the weekend so big congrats to M uh, and on the next day she backed it up uh, to win the mixed team relay with her team from New South Wales so yeah great result for for M um and then yeah there was the the run the bridge event down in Hobart um so much stuff going on over the weekend obviously the local uh, you know the two times you race triathlon here in in Melbourne as well so uh, and obviously Oscar's hut to hut Chris Ord we had on the podcast yeah, only a couple of weeks right. ago is the event director mm-hmm. for that. So uh, great to see that event um, going off without a hitch as well. So, yeah, events happening all over the place, which is, is fantastic to see and fantastic to have athletes out there doing what they love. Yeah, I, I heard about the um, Oscars Hut to Hut actually, like in how well I think Chris and the team did just to be able to um, mark that course um, in such a short period of time. Um Due to oh, the after COVID. the lockdown ended. Yeah, lockdown, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, that was great to see. So here at the Long Munch, we take a deep dive into the most common nutrition questions that you as runners, cyclists and triathletes are talking about in your training or maybe it's post-training session at the coffee table uh, and our aim is to try and break down those questions um, and answer them for you. We invite a guest expert or practitioner in part A and then we have a part B component which is then the athlete or a coach um, perspective on that particular question. Uh, So we are on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And Alan, did we have some shout outs? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, at the Long Munch is the is the handle for all three of those, and we've had uh, some interactions during the week. So um, thank you to Alicia McCall um, via feed, uh, Facebook who gave us some some nice feedback uh, and had some some questions. So we're going to have a look into that for you, Alicia. Uh, also, Kate Galash, who's a dietitian over in Adelaide, um, yep. has jumped on the the Biscoff cult <laughs> that uh, that M. Got you on, Steph, back in yep. episode 2B. Um, and then now Kate's onto it and, uh, and other people as well. So, uh, yeah, so, so Emma Jeffcoat back in uh, episode 2B. We've already given a shout-out for a result on the weekend, uh, but yep. it's uh, it's all thanks to, to Biscoff. Um, but also, uh, as I've discovered recently, her uh, squad mate uh, and housemate at the moment, Tamsin Moana Veal, uh, is another triathlete I work with, uh, actually got her started on the Biscoff, so shout out to <laughs> Tamsin as well. Um, we also have a follow-up to a couple of questions that we've had from previous episodes that we have followed up with Professor Ollie J. So we had a yeah. couple of episodes, uh, 4A and 5A with Ollie a little while back, uh, and 5A in particular was around sort of managing exercise in the heat and what are the things that we can do to try to minimise the impacts of that. So uh, firstly, we had Jess Stenson, who was our guest in 5B, who was asking that question around, you know, what impact does sunscreen have on sweating and the evaporation of sweat off the skin and cooling? Uh, So I asked Ollie that, um, and he said to the best of his knowledge, it has no impact at all. Um, 
However, if you do get sunburnt, that does have an impact on sweat gland function and you sweat less and it's worse for body temperature control. So I guess the the message there is slip, slop, slap. Uh, Don't get sunburnt, don't get skin cancer, and um, it's not going to impact on your your body temperature regulation. But if you get sunburnt, it will. Yep. And also Michael, who contacted us via Facebook, asking us about wearing hats during exercise and what impact that may or may not have on body temperature temperature regulation as well. Again, I, I went back to Ollie and, and asked him about that. Obviously, he's the expert being a, a thermal physiologist. Uh, and his reply was basically during exercise in the heat, it's going to have next to no impact. Um, you know, you'll get evaporation off all the other parts of your body uh, to compensate for that. Uh, when we talk about, you know, losing heat through your head, uh, it's one of those things that's commonly talked about. It's generally in the context of very cold environments. So in the snow and things like that, where you're very well covered up everywhere except for your head and therefore you're going to lose a lot of heat through your head Uh, but actually when we're exercising in a hot environment uh, we're going to get evaporation happening elsewhere and it's not going to be a problem it may feel warmer so it might be that perception of temperature but it's not actually going to impact on core body temperature too much as long as we've got enough other areas of the body that aren't too covered up that we're getting you know heat loss or heat transfer away from the body uh, elsewhere around cool so you can wear a hat or not yeah yep pretty much might stop you getting sunburned if you're uh you're a bit thin in the hair department yep (laughs) well said excellent good to know those ones so thanks for the questions listeners all right steph it is episode 7b of the long munch today and our question is why do i get gut issues during exercise this is obviously the continuation of 7a that we had last week where um, we had the chat by ourselves uh, particularly you as as the uh the the expert not not a guest but an expert um around that particular topic and some of the work obviously we've done at um at monash university so today uh, we have uh, our B episodes. We've got an athlete guest in. Uh, this is a fantastic story. I think I mentioned it at the end of last podcast, uh, a really uh, sort of feel-good story of someone who, you know, by his own admission, his career was really at a crossroads because of the gastrointestinal issues that he was experiencing, uh, but managed to turn that around um, and really get back to his, his best form and um, get his, his career back on track. So do you want to introduce our guest, Steph, and, and tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're lucky, very lucky to have Enrico Lanos. Uh, he's a Spanish triathlete born in Vitoria uh, and he's been competing in triathlete, triathlons since 1993. Um, and the story behind how he actually got you know, into triathlon was actually he saw his brother compete um, in the earlier years and that sort of began his um, love of the sport. Uh, So he's a two-time Olympian, so um, uh, competed in Sydney and Athens. He's a three-times Xterra world champion. He's a multiple top 10 finisher at Ironman World Championship in Kona, including where he came second in just behind um, uh, Chris McCormack um, by seconds. Uh, And he's a winner of multiple Ironman events around the world. Um, His favourite Ironman is where his hometown is in Victoria. Uh, and he recently actually came first in that one in 2019 at the age of 42. Um, he had a, a sort of experienced a lot of um, sort of, you know, gut issues and painful experiences began between 2013 to 2018 um, and that really impacted on his, um, on his Ironman racing. Um, and became really frustrating for Aniko. Um, you know, he um, got a lot of comments and feedback from people in t- saying, you know, perhaps, you know, you're now, you know, a bit too old to compete at, at that level. But he always thought that, you know, he's actually should be at his best. Um, he's training really well and he should be able to perform. So, um, we're going to chat to Aniko about um, his experience there and um, and how he went on to, to manage those um, symptoms. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And a bit of a spoiler alert, uh, it involves the uh, the assessment clinic that we talked about last week at Monash Uni uh, with your good self and also Dr. Ricardo Costa. So, yeah, great story of uh, of his work with you and, and obviously the, the outcomes that he got from that were, were terrific. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this one and let's, uh, I think, dive straight into it. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right, Aniko, thank you for joining us on the Long Munch podcast. How are things going there over in Spain? Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, inviting me and having me in your your podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, things are are getting um, are getting a bit better right now. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, like in every other place uh, places in the world. Uh, we had a very difficult uh, year last year with the lockdowns and with all the the virus and the pandemic and everything going on and now yeah we the beginning of the year wasn't very good because all the uh, we we went back to uh, some uh, restrictions and uh, the infection rate went up again but uh, now it seems like uh, slowly we are we are improving and uh, and getting a little bit better so yeah everything looks a bit better right now and um and hopefully we we will we will uh, keep uh, improving and uh, and uh, and yeah and getting uh, back to to normal as as, as soon uh, as possible. Yeah, sounds good. And have you got to do any racing over the last six months? I know one of the triathletes I work with, an Australian triathlete, he's over in Spain at the moment uh, in Girona, I think, and he's done one or two races. So it sounds like there's a little bit of racing still happening in Europe. Yeah, there are some small races that, uh, yeah, well, last year I didn't race. And the last, the only race I did was the PTO uh, championships in December in Daytona. The PTO is the professional triathlon organization. They they put the race in, in Daytona, the championship. And that was the only race I, the only triathlon race I did in, in 2020. I did some other um running races and try running races because the, some of the small races with not many participants they they could uh do do those races but nothing nothing big and uh, it was more like a like a training training day and not not big races except that one in in daytona in, in december that that was the only race i, I could i could do and uh and this year uh i, I this this past weekend, I did a tri a, a, triathlon, a triathlon, a winter triathlon. Uh, it was the Spanish Championships on Sunday, and uh, we we could do that race also because uh, the um, the field was uh, quite small. It was uh, two hundred triathletes participating, and we did it in um, time trial format. So they took all them uh, the all the um, all all the measurements to to. To avoid uh, getting uh, infected, and uh, yeah, it was a very well, very well organized uh, race. So there are some small races going on, but uh, nothing, nothing big yet. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully next uh, this year we we will get back to normal racing. Yeah, and I think I saw something about this on Instagram. Is this the one where you have cross country skiing in it as well? We went for triathlon, so we, we did a run, uh, biking, and we finished with a 10k on yeah cross country skiing on, on the snow. Yeah, it was uh, it was really really fun mm. to do that. Yeah, awesome, <laughs> nice. And so, what what's the the hope for 2021? What's the the plan in terms of racing for you? Yeah, this I uh, was planning to this to be my last year uh, racing as a professional. So I wanted to do my, we have an Ironman race here in, in my city, in, in Vitoria Gasteiz. I wanted to do that, that race, uh, that's in July. But, uh, well, we will see if, uh, what, what happens in the next months and uh, if we can do the race in, in July. That, that was my big, big goal, big, uh, a, a race for the year. But I'm still waiting to see how the um, situation uh, develops and and if the if we, if we can do that race and if not I will yeah I will look for a, for another Ironman this year maybe here in Spain or in Europe and and then I will add some more local races and other races that I want to do but uh, yeah it's difficult to to plan the the season because you don't know how how everything is going to 
what, what is going to happen in the next months, but hopefully, yeah, I, I will be able to raise uh, at least one, one last time here in my, my, in my city in, uh, in our Ironman race. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. So now we just want to talk about, I guess, your, your experience with, um, with symptoms and, and gut symptoms in, in your triathlon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so can, yeah. can you fill us in on, I guess, how long you've experienced symptoms in triathlon? Yeah, well, um, uh, I, for most of my triathlon career, I, I never had any, any, anything, anything uh, serious going with my stomach or my gut uh, symptoms or nothing, or nothing in my, in my, in my, in my life, like outside of training or racing. I never had any stomach problems, uh, really. So, and I've been racing since uh, 1993. I think I did my first triathlon. Yeah, well, there were some times and maybe I had a small, I don't know, uh, pain in the stomach or a stitch or, yeah, but normal things, nothing, yeah. nothing too, too, too serious, nothing too limit, uh, limiting, uh, nothing that uh, was uh, really affecting my, my performance. Then in 2005, after my two Olympic um, triathlon uh, races in 2000 and 2004, in 2005, I started uh, racing uh, long distance and Ironman uh, races. So the first few races were like, uh, uh, yeah, I had to to adapt to the to the training and to the racing and also to to nutrition. So it took some time to to find their their. The, the right strategy to to race and to not have any gut problems or or symptoms. So uh, on those first races, maybe I had uh, like one or two races where my my gut gut or my stomach wasn't good, but uh, it was like a because I was adapting to the distance and to all the calories I needed to race properly. Mm-hmm. So I would say that until two thousand from two thousand and five to till two thousand and thirteen fourteen. Everything was okay. I mean, I had no problems, no nothing, uh, nothing, nothing uh, too bad during races. I mean, sometimes you can have like a, like I said, a little symptom or a little pain, but normal things. And then after 2013, uh, yeah, in 2014, 2015 was like when I was when I started experiencing really, real uh, discomfort and real. Uh, uh, lim- uh, limiting uh, uh, symptoms where I I will uh, start the the run of the Ironman race. I will I will start the marathon and then after five, ten, fifteen k, depending on the race, I I start to to I started to feel a lot of pain in my in my stomach, and a lot of stitches, and I was uh, getting uh, out of energy and and bonking really bad. Uh, even if I was taking a lot of uh, enough uh, calories and carbohydrates, so like it was like my stomach was was uh, locking during the, the races on the runs. So yeah, well, that was um, for the from 2015, 14, 2014, 2015. That was when I started experiencing those those symptoms that. Uh, were really, really, really bad because uh, most of the, sometimes I couldn't even uh, finish the race. And if I was able to finish the race, obviously it wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't doing my, my, my I wasn't uh, showing my best, my uh, performance. Yeah. And was it owning in racing mm-hmm. or did you get it in training as well? No, it was only uh, in, in racing. I never... During my normal life and during training, I, I never experienced any anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just uh, doing the race and do, and 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 during the run. Yeah. Even in before the race and during the swim, during the bike, I never had a uh, an issue. I never had a pain. Nothing. Everything was going very. I mean, well till I started the the run and. And maybe f- for the first five, ten case of the run, I was feeling okay. But after that, it was uh, yeah, it was when everything uh, started to to get grown, and I was uh, I started to 
to help all these uh, pains and all these symptoms. Yeah. And was it only in hot races or did it happen in cold environments as well? Uh, first, I thought that it was because of the heat and the humidity of some of the races, like in Kona or places like that. And I thought that that was the, the problem was the, the heat and that I couldn't uh, handle the, the heat and the humidity. And, and that was the, what was affecting me. But, uh, but then it started happening in, in other races when it, when it wasn't hot, uh, hot or, or humid. Mm-hmm. Even in cold races, I was having those same uh, uh, problems. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't related to, to the outside, outside conditions. Yep, yep. Maybe, maybe the heat and the humidity made it, made it worse. Yep. But, uh, but I, I also had the same problems in, in, cool. in colder temperatures. And um, so 2014-2015, what did you start to look at and do to try and manage your symptoms? Yeah, well, first first races I thought, well, maybe it's it's something I I eat or something I I do during the race that was uh, creating all these uh, symptoms and problems. So first thing I did was to start uh, trying different products. I mean, the products of the, uh, I was using during the races, like the gels, uh, the drinks, and, and, and the food. First thing I thought, well, maybe this brand is not, is, uh, has some component or, or, or something that, some ingredient that is making me uh, feeling, uh, feel bad. Mm-hmm. So first thing I did was try to, to, to try different brands and different products, uh, to see if that was the, the cause of the, of the, of the symptoms. That, that was the first thing, like, it seems, I think that's the first thing, everything, everything, uh, things like, uh, yeah, well, that race I took, like, I don't know, power bar and, uh, that, that didn't make me good. Or, that was the, the first, the first thought. And then uh, I did that in some races and the same symptoms, everything happened again. Then I started experiencing with different um, different amounts of uh, carbohydrates during the races. Like uh, maybe I thought, well, maybe I'm taking too many calories, too many carbohydrates during the races. So I'm going to try to, to take less than that. But still, that wasn't the... the, um, the I still had the same problem, so that that I think that those were the first two things that I tried. First, uh, try different uh, different products and different in different quantities. So that that was the first thing I did. Then, uh, well, that wasn't wasn't working. I was still having all these problems, and uh, then uh, well, then I started consulting. different uh, nutritionists and coaches and you know when you have and, and sometimes when you have these kind of problems and what everybody wants wants to help and uh, yeah a lot yeah i tried to to contact different people to get more information and uh it wasn't really like i i, I consulted with doctors with uh, nutritionists and um, everybody told was kind of telling me that i had nothing wrong with my with my guts, uh, with my uh, stomach, or there was nothing. Uh, there was there was no illness. I tested for food intolerances. Um, I tried to eat a gluten free diet. Gluten free diet. I tried a low FODMAP diet, and uh, I was so des- desperate that I even tried a low carb. <laughs> keto diet so i i think i tried almost everything that one can imagine that can help but nothing was 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 helping nothing was um <clears throat> i i couldn't find what what what's wrong what was wrong what was happening so yeah i tried it all many different strategies that without any anything working mm-hmm. yep yep mm-hmm. and um and then 
what got you, I guess, in contact because you, you got in contact with, um, with us, with um, Monash, what sort of got you, got you down that track? Yeah, uh, one of my um, ex-coaches, uh, Inigo Mujica, knew about, the, about you guys and uh, he put me in contact with you and, uh, and, uh, well, and then I was, yeah, I was uh, desperate to, to find a solution because I knew that some, all, there were other, other people telling me that I was getting too old to race and, uh, and uh, my age was affecting my performance, but I knew that I was still uh, in a good shape. All my training was going very well. And I was, I was in, in a very good shape. Uh, so I, I knew that there was, it wasn't because of the age, because if it was the age, I wouldn't be able to do all the training when I was doing and I would, wouldn't be able to recover I was, as well as I was recovering. So I knew that there was something um, missing or there was a, a reason to why I was getting all these uh, symptoms, all these problems, and I, and I wanted to, to, to know why. So Inigo uh, Mujica, he uh, told me about the, your institute and uh, the kind of um, test you were doing. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, I, I'm going to, even, even it was, if it was going to be, uh, I don't know if, not crazy, but I, yeah, I had to go to Melbourne, Australia, just to do a test, then come back home and see if, but yeah, I, I, I thought, yeah, I have nothing to, nothing to lose. And I want to explore all, all the possibilities and to, to find a, a solution. That's why I, I took a, a, a flight to Melbourne. We did the test. I stayed in Melbourne, for, I think, for just two or three days. And then, then I came back from uh, home. And I, I, I think that was the best, the best decision I, I, I have taken in, in the last few years. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, um, so we, yeah, we initially started to do some work just online together because we were thinking, well, if we don't, you yeah. know, let's see. So I guess still that trial and error approach that you were doing before. Um, and we didn't find, you know, you mm -hmm. again, you do things so well. So, you know, that wasn't working. Um, and I know, you know, then I yeah. checked with Ricardo, who um, is our, um, you know, the main sort of person running things at Monash University and used to be a pro triathlete himself. And yeah. I said, I said to Ricardo, you know, like, what do I do? Um, we're trying to work it out. It's not working. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, and Nico needs to come, come to us. And I remember you saying mm -hmm. that, is there any test, you know, that you can do over there? Um, but unfortunately, yeah, yeah unfortunately, um, it, we only have the, have the testing here. So um, you, you jumped on the plane yeah. and I think you stayed for maybe a couple of days and we made you feel terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, you, you made the you made the trip, and um, and we were able to do um, some really good testing um, uh, with you. So you you brought your you brought your bike over too, didn't you? Yeah, we you designed the the test, and so I would ride on my bike and then run on the treadmill. So I thought that the best thing was to try to re replicate um, everything as as good as possible so yeah we we did uh yeah we tried to 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 find what's going on and so we had to to yeah replicate everything as as yeah as uh, real as possible so, yeah yeah yep exactly so um yeah we got you to replicate you know what you usually do in the lead up and then, and then we had you on the bike for three hours um, at, you know, Ironman mm -hmm. sort of pace. And then, and then ideally we were having you running for up to about an hour. And that um, was in the heat too, wasn't it, Steph? Like we had, yeah. we had him in the tent because I remember he helped set heat. up the kicker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the heat chamber. Yep. So mm. about, <laughs> about 35 degrees. 
um, we had it. And, um, and I think it was, yeah, 35, 35 degrees and like humidity wasn't, wasn't massive. Um, but yeah. And what was your experience of doing that? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, it wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really hard to write on that, on that, uh, uh, and th on those conditions so it was really hard and uh, and we we tried to match everything that to replicate uh, the nutrition hydration so everything same as i was doing in races so yeah but uh it was really hard and uh i think that uh yeah it was a really hard test to to do but um it was okay on the bike. I mean, uh, yeah, it was hard. It was hot, but uh, I was doing more or less fine on the bike. Yep. And uh, when I started the run, that's where we, um, I started to feel the same things I was feeling in, in, in races. So it was great. I think we nailed it to replicate all the conditions because I had all the same symptoms my stomach luck again and yeah it was it was a very hard test but uh very well designed and uh, because we i think we we got what we we needed and uh, uh we we got to the situations to the same exact situation that I was having in my real races so it was it was it was terrible it was <laughs> <laughs> it was not fine that it was in the same time it was perfect because we we get to the point that we we wanted to to get to get to yeah and steph yeah. do you want to just describe i mean obviously we had it yeah, in the heat and not many races would be that hot but the purpose for the heat there is to kind of accelerate that process towards having the you know bringing on those gut issues and replicating what happens in a race so you don't have to wait seven or eight or nine hours to do it yeah yep exactly yep so it's um so far from yeah what the research suggests and um, what we've found in the lab is that we need that those conditions to to get us to what's going to happen in a in a ultra endurance event um and yeah it did it worked um perfectly um and and yeah in it was it, we got to 40 minutes um into the run um and then, yeah, more severe sort of upper symptoms we're having. We got severe nausea, you know, dizziness, mild stitch. And then at 40 minutes, we, yeah, we had to seize the test. Um, and, um, and, yeah, just, um, you know, Aniko's blood pressure was, was quite low and um, we had to, um, yeah, just attend to those symptoms. Um, you know, effort was, was high. Um, thermal comfort was was um, was reduced, so he wasn't tolerating, you know, the the environmental conditions that just, you know, really increased from the bike to the run. Um, and you could see an eco get um, his face become quite pasty, and you could see him under quite severe distress. Um, and interestingly, um, in the testing that we do. Um, as a Nico found out, um, one benefit of the testing is he has to wear a, um, a rectal thermometer to monitor <laughs> <laughs> monitor the temperature. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> it, it, it's something we sneak. I think. I think my my. my... Yeah, my mind uh, is somewhere in my subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was actually really helpful as, as part of the objective data we collected because we saw that once we reached a certain temperature for an eco, it, it corresponded with where his gastrointestinal symptoms were also, um, you know, getting worse. Um, so, yeah, so basically like with, with all of that testing that we did, um, you know, we, we took a whole heap of data from that. So we, you know, we measured um, nutrition intake, fluid intake. We measured, um, we took his blood pre and post. Um, we checked, um, you know, just basic physiological data. So heart rate, mm -hmm. we looked at oxidation, carbohydrate, fat, effort, um, and we also measured, you know, for any malabsorption and, and checking his transit 
you know, how quickly things are moving through um, for him. Um, and, mm. and, yeah, just basically collecting all of that data, temperature, pacing, um, and, then, and then obviously, you know, we put all of that together mm. um, to, to then look at, okay, well, what's, what's happening here and what's the, the, the potential causal pathway for an eco um yeah. so, so do you want to explain steph i guess what you found and then maybe aniko can describe you know what he, that meant to him and, and how he understood it as well yeah yep um so there were a number of things that we found um so um i guess one thing we measure um in the bloods is um uh, what's called intestinal fatty acid binding protein. So it's a, it's a marker, it can be a marker of intestinal injury. Um, and so what we found with Aneco was that was significantly increased. So, you know, more than close to 300% or so increased. So really substantial. Um, so that was, you know, something suggesting that um, there's quite significant injury. Um, in, in his in, intestine from, from the exercise. That was one. Um, we found that his transit time, so things moving through, um, his system was significantly slower. Um, so that was suggesting that his gut, in a way, you could say is going into a shutdown um, phase, um, which is, you know, what, Aniko describes that he was feeling was was happening. Um, so we got we could measure that. We didn't see any malabsorption, you know, in terms of what he was consuming. Um, we, we didn't pick that up. That can be a bit difficult to pick up when we're testing so many other things. Um, and then we also found that um, just with you know the conditions as well, there was substantial. Um, hypohydration as well so post-exercise um, we were quite um, dehydrated um, as well so um, I guess but the the significant things to us was his gut shutting down um, and then and then probably the intestinal injury and then just also a bit of that thermoreg um, where we did pick up you know that his temperature wasn't actually what we would call significantly high when we were experiencing those symptoms. So, you know, 38.5, um, we wouldn't usually think anything significant would necessarily happen, but that's where we know that there's so much individual variation um, in, in symptoms. Um, yeah. And that those symptoms sort of fit with that picture of, you know, exertional heat illness as well in terms of like the low blood pressure, um, the, you know, the lightheadedness, um, all of that sort of thing. Like there's the, the gut side of things, but it sounds like it's a, a dehydration heat illness thing happening at the same time there, Steph. At the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so there were, there were a number of things that, that we found and then, um, and then from that, you know, then we made certain recommendations to to Aniko, um, I guess, to um, work on those um, on those specific things. So, you know, one thing was like if you haven't already, you know, look at the thermoregulation and um, acclimatizing and making sure we can get our body temp up to that, and um, and and looking at you know training in that zone. Um, and then one of the significant ones which Aniko can comment on more and what he found most beneficial, I'll let him um, talk about that, but, you know, one of the other things is was specifically on gut training and really, like, honing in on how we can try and get the gut better able to empty and adapt and accommodate. Um, that was a significant one, so we gave um, certain strategies um, for that. Um, and, and yeah, just really challenging the gut with certain amounts of, of carbohydrate and, or, you know, fluid, um, they would be, they were kind of the significant ones, um, that kind of came out of, of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is that, um, do you want to add anything to that, Aniko, or, or talk about, I guess, maybe what happened once, once you went home, what are the sort of things that you, you did with those recommendations? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, 
Well, first thing for me was important to know that I had no malabsorption and uh, I, I had no intolerances and uh, yeah, to see that there was nothing, there was something wrong, but there was nothing wrong with my, with my body, with my gut system. So that was the first thing uh, good to know that, I, that, that, that wasn't the problem. So then uh when after the test, when I can, uh, I went back. Well, right, right after the test, I, I got my first uh, advice from uh, from Steph and from Ricardo and from from the team, and uh, and I remember uh, Ricardo uh, telling me that it was really simple and, and easy to 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 Manage. improve improve the the symptoms and to do things. Uh, to do things better and it was simply that I needed to to train my cat uh, again to to the, the, the cat training and and he he told me how to, how to do it and 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 I remember that he, he I, I've been struggling with this this uh, systems and these things for three or four years and then suddenly Ricardo came and he told me it's, it's really easy and then it's, it's really simple and you you're going to improve very fast. And and first I couldn't believe it, so yeah, it was hard to to think that after all these uh, years of struggling, that I was going to find a quick solution. But uh, then uh, when I started putting in practice what uh, they the team uh, Ricardo, Steph, and all the team uh, recommended me, that yeah, it was amazing to see how really how simple it was to to find uh, the solution to to my to to all my 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 symptoms. Did that take a long time, that gut training process? And was it difficult? Like, did you find that hard at the start to get used to drinking more? Well, it wasn't, I was not, not really, not, not, uh, the, the main recommendation was to train with, uh, to, to, with a full stomach to, to increase uh, uh, the uh, inner pressure in the stomach during the, the training so Ricardo told me that they do that. They, they, he, he put me some samples how, how they, they do that. And he told me that for some runners, what he was doing and what he personally tried was to, to eat a, a hot dog before, <laughs> before or during the runs. <laughs> and, and I told him, well, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I'm vegetarian. I'm not going to eat a hot dog. <laughs> so I had to, to find a, another thing that, uh, to put into my stomach. But uh, yeah, the the thing was to increase the the pressure in the stomach and to to train with the um, with uh, yeah a high, a higher pressure in the stomach to to start um, uh, doing that during my training. So first in my in my long runs, what I would do that was that I would eat a, a big breakfast or a, or something that is big volume with a lot of. Uh, uh, water or liquid so I was uh, starting my runs with a full stomach which obviously in the beginning was uh, was um, comfortable and then uh, also doing the, this some uh, long runs I would bring uh, more food with me and so I will keep uh, putting more pressure into my my stomach and my, my gut uh, uh, system so that was mainly the the not the only thing I did, but the main thing I did, and uh, and, and I think that was that I started working uh, really fast. First, I will do my runs with a lot of uh, discomfort and stitches and everything, but after that, I was yeah, I was training my gut and I was getting better at that, and uh, then I, I kept doing uh, this during my longer workouts, my especially uh, longer runs or. Um, on brick workouts, uh, a brick workout is when I, I do, a, for example, a long bike ride followed by a, by a run. So I will uh, finish my bike ride, uh, get a lot of food in my stomach, and then go out running. So that's, yeah, the, 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 main, uh, the main tip, the main recommendation was to, to, to do my runs with oh, one or two what, uh, times uh, per week to do my, my, my runs with with a full stomach and, and putting a lot of pressure into my, my stomach. And, and, and that was the, that was the thing that, that worked for me. And did that, was that a, just like two or three weeks that you started to notice a difference or did it take longer than that? Mm. 
Well, I, I went, uh, I, we did a test, I, I think it was uh, June 2018. Um, three weeks after that, uh, the test, I went to Ironman uh, France, Nice. Uh, just to, I, I, I signed up for the race just to, to, to see how, if, to, to try the, the new, the new training and, and the good, the new gut training. It was only two or three weeks after the, the test we did. And I wasn't in my best shape. I, I didn't have a good race because I wasn't training much at that time, but I already, I already felt that my stomach was working better. And that was only after three or four sessions of uh, good training. And then uh, I, 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 was, I started training for Ironman uh, Arizona in the U.S. Uh, and the race was in November. So I had another like three or four months to, to train, to keep uh, good training. And then Arizona I had, I had, in Arizona, I had one of my best races. And I started running. And my stomach and my gut worked perfectly. I have no issues, and I I felt very very strong. Uh, all my energy energy levels were high and constant constant during the race and during the run. And when I got to the 10, 15 kilometers on the run, I and I I I see that my stomach was working at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I I start crying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, big yeah. big difference. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won the race and I couldn't. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still I'm... cry when <laughs> mm. when remembering that, that moment. It was really really significant and, and important for me to to be racing uh, at my best again. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And I remember Steph. Um, we were in the lab and we saw the result of that race come up and we were all so excited for you in the lab over at Monash. We were just thrilled to, to see that result come through. So that was fantastic. And obviously you weren't too old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're still yeah. young. That's, that's what, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it was like the, I knew that I could race well again. So yes, it took me too long to, to find what, what, what was, what's happening and what, how, cal, how, how, how uh, could I uh, improve it? And that, yeah, since that race in Arizona, I've done another, I did uh, in 2019, I did uh, Ironman South Africa, I did Ironman Vitoria, and then I did Kona, and I have great, great races and with no, no gut issues. So yeah, so it, was, uh, it was good to, to finally, uh, find the, the solution to my, my problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's so significant as well. You know, this is your career. It's your profession. It's what you put all your blood, sweat and tears in. Um, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's, yeah, it um, makes such a significant impact um, for you and for your family as well, like for everyone. Um, it's, yeah, it's a big deal. So um, it's, yeah, um, it's good to, good to see you have done so well and that you practiced it. And um, uh, yeah, and, and it, it's so common mm -hmm. that, you know, I guess one thing that we want to try and educate people on is that um, when we get symptoms, it's, it's not easy to figure out on, on our own or by a trial and error approach. Um, because there's so mm -hmm. many, there's so many things that can influence one type of symptom for, for each person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we would never have been able to, you know, really work that out until, um, we were able to get that data, um, for you. So, um, yeah, that, that was really good. Um, mm. and, and since then, Aniko, do you have you found since that race, do you have to still sort of continuously do that gut training, like in between races? Is that something that you continue to do now? Yeah, it's something I still do, but I, I feel like I I really don't need to do as much as I, would, for example, I was doing in the beginning. I mean, 
I think that I think that it is important still to do to do the cat training because yeah, obviously my cat did train it when I I, I started having those symptoms. So I think that it, like like in training is something that I have to keep uh, doing and I have to keep uh, training my cat so it, it doesn't get detrained. So it's something that I still, yeah, I still do my when I'm maybe when I'm doing my specific uh, training for an Ironman, something that I, I I do in my long runs or on my brick workouts. But it's not. Uh, I don't need to do it as much as, for example, when I was doing it, doing it in the beginning. So, but I think yeah, I need. I just need to keep practicing. So my gut stays uh, healthy and stays uh, uh, ready for, for the races. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also just, um, you know, when you found that that was the thing that made the biggest difference for you, you know, you, 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 you realised um, that you don't need to do, I think from what you said, you don't need to do low FODMAP, you know, um, those types of things like yeah. is that right yeah you just eat kind of that normal type of diet um yep yeah 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 and eating my my normal diet i mean yeah. i am i've been vegetarian for since i was 18 i and i am uh, vegan for the last two years yep that's also uh, something that people people was telling me yeah you're having your your symptoms because you are vegetarian you're you're vegan yeah Obviously, it wasn't it wasn't the reason. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, uh, I, I can eat normally. I don't have to worry about. Uh, uh, I, I know I had I don't have any intolerance to, to to food. Uh, so yeah, that that wasn't the cause of the. So it was also good to to take that all all out of my of my mind yep. to know that I eat uh, normal healthy. Uh, diet or I can eat any kind of food that, that I wish so yeah that was always very good to 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 know that and that, that to know that there is nothing wrong with with it with the food I am, I'm taking yeah yeah so to wrap this up Nico um obviously okay. there's lots of athletes out there that have struggled with sort of gut issues over the years um any sort of yeah. words of wisdom or advice that you, you might give to, to other people out there that are sort of struggling? Yeah, well, um, as Steph uh, said, uh, it's, it's, it, the, the solution may be different for, for everybody. But, uh, but uh, what I think is uh, I, I'm also a triathlon coach and uh, what I think is important is, and I will, I try to do with my athletes is that uh, the gut is something that we also must uh, train. Is especially in uh, endurance uh, or ultra endurance events like uh, it can be an Ironman race. Uh, it's it's another part of uh, training. So I think that uh, this kind of strategies of um, um, training with a uh, high volume in the stomach and uh, doing the gut training is something that all athletes need needs to incorporate into their their training. Apart from that, yeah, maybe you can have an intolerance or you can yeah have some a problem with a, a kind of food that that's something that you should also check for. But the first thing is that that we need to train the cats the same thing that we we do all, all the rest of the training. Is um, I think for for uh, Ironman racing and for ultra endurance races is is something uh, super important. So yeah, it's it's a thing that everybody needs to to put into their training plans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely for sure. All right, well, we're going to finish up with a few bonus questions here just to get to know a little bit more about you, Aniko. So the first question, obviously you're a, a pro triathlete and a coach, but if you weren't doing that, what do you think you would be doing instead? <laughs> well, I'm also a firefighter, if you didn't oh, know. <laughs> no, no, there you go. I'm working, yeah, 
yeah and 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 doing too many things right now but uh yeah um uh, i'm doing what uh, yeah i don't know i'm doing what i i like to do so i have a uh, a job that i like i have what well, three three jobs <laughs> that i like <laughs> I'm not going to be a pro triathlete for much longer. As I told you before at the beginning of the podcast, uh, this is going to be probably my last um, year racing as a pro triathlete. But I just, but I will uh, keep uh, training and racing for for fun because I, I love it. But uh, yeah, not not in in a more relaxed uh, way. So yeah, that's. Uh, right now, um, I feel fortunate that uh, I'm doing what, uh, what I, I like to do. So, yeah, nothing, no, no regrets there, no, no complaining there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, one thing on your bucket list, something that you've always wanted to do but you've never done. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be sport-related. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, as, uh, as I said before, I'm doing, yeah, for me it's, I feel fortunate to to be able to do what I'm doing, and and I'm happy with uh, my 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 career and my with my races. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really. I think I've, I've done everything I wanted to do in at least in the sport. Obviously, in the life, there's still many many good things to come. But uh, yeah, I think I, I didn't left anything. I have no regrets and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm happy with uh, with my career, with my results, and and, and how how everything's have have been for the last for the for well, for for my for yeah. for my life. I mean, I, I, yeah, no, no, nothing on the bucket list in mm-hmm. that regard. In in that reward. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anyone that you've always wanted to meet but you haven't met before? Uh, no, no. Um, I've been lucky enough to uh, meet some my of my triathlon idols like uh, uh, Mark Allen or Dave Scott. So yeah, in, in the sports they they were my like my the people I followed when I was uh, very young and that the people that inspired me to get into triathlon. So yeah, yeah, I think that I could I could do that, uh, meet them in person, and uh, yeah, um, I, I I don't have any right now. Yeah, obviously there are many interesting people in the world and a uh, lot of people to to know. And uh, yeah, in in regard in, in, about the sports, is yeah, I think I I met the people I I I wanted to meet from since I was a, a kid. Fair enough. Um, when you're out training and doing long sessions, is there anything that you do to sort of keep things interesting? Do you have music going? Do you always train with other people so you can have a chat? What keeps you going on a, a long session? Mm. Well, uh, I almost never train with music. I don't like to, yeah, I, I prefer to not uh, listen to music when I'm training. And um, normally, um, I, I do a lot of training by myself because, well, it's difficult to, I have my, we, I have family, I have work, so it's, sometimes it's difficult to meet people for training. When I can, I do that. I go, I go for long rides or, or long training with uh, friends, and that's obviously always a good, uh, a good choice and a good uh, way to, to keep uh, entertained. And apart from that, I lo- I do a lot of uh, uh, training indoors, and then I yeah I I, hear, I, I watch uh, YouTube videos or or, or, or something on, on Netflix. Yeah, normal normal kind of things. But uh, I don't know, nothing special. <laughs> All right, fair enough. And final question: um, you, you may not get to do it, obviously, with the the restrictions that are happening and sort of coming towards the end of your career. But is there a, a particular race that you've always wanted to do and never never made it there? A particular place that you wanted to go and race? Uh, I've I've been racing all over the world, and most of the places I uh, races I wanted to do, I I was able to to do them. I raced uh, two Olympic games. I raced in. in in, in, in Kona, in Hawaii, the Ironman, uh, most of the biggest races in Europe. So they, there are not many races left 
And, All right, I'll change uh, the question then. What's one, your favorite race? race? I, I've never done and I wanted to do is... Go on. <laughs> My favorite race. Yeah, I was, I was wanting to mention a race in France, the Embrunman, which is an Ironman distance race, which is it's really hard with a bi- very hard bike course. Uh, you climb up to the call, the Isoard, and uh, that one, one race that I probably am not going to do while I am a professional triathlete. Maybe that's the only one uh, miss, uh, I'm going to miss from, from not, not racing, but... Uh, and then my favorite races are, yeah, I ha- we have, as I said before, we have the racing in Vitoria, Ironman uh, Vitoria. And it's in, this is my, my city, my, my town where I grew up and where I live. So the, obviously this is the most important and most special race for me. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for sharing your story with us today, Aniko. I think it's uh, fantastic to see you know, obviously you had a, a, quite a few frustrating years there, but being able to sort of overcome those and, um, and, and get back on track and, and have a you know, great end, end part of that career after you managed to sort out those gut issues is fantastic. So all the best with, with the last year. Hopefully you get to do a, a few more races before the, the year ends. And then um, obviously good luck post-professional career. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, what... Uh a great interview um, with Aniko. Um, yeah, a bit emotional um, there for, for all of us, um, but a great outcome for him, which we're all stoked about. Uh, so, Alan, can you just, um, I guess, sum up the the take-home messages uh, from uh, from today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the really important things, you know, coming off the back of last week's episode as well, 7A, um, which Aniko reinforced in this one, which I think was really good, is that the cause of gut issues is going to be different for different people. And so you can't just assume that, you know, what Aniko's been through and, and you know, his gut training that he's been able to do to, to improve things is necessarily going to work for everyone uh, because that may not be yep. the cause of of your problem if, if you're experiencing an issue. Uh, and likewise, you know, he tried all of these other things. He tried low-carb diets. He tried... Um, low FODMAP diets, he tried gluten-free diets, and none of these things worked. So you know, often we, we hear people going, oh, you know, there's a study around low FODMAP diets, which just happens to be your study, Steph, uh, that, that showed that it reduced symptoms. Well, you know, it does for some people, but it doesn't for everyone. It's not relevant for some people. Um, likewise, you know, hydration may not be an issue for some people, but it may be really important for other people. So, uh, you know, we can't make assumptions uh, of what works for one person will work for everyone. Or that, um, you know, as, as we said back in 7A, that, you know, nausea equals this cause and bloating equals that cause. And, um, yeah, it, it's not that simple sort of one-to-one relationship. So you have to sort of move past that way of thinking. And, and as, you know, an echo said in there, you know, trying different brands of gels and products and drinks and things like that. Again, it's very, uh, you know, occasionally you might fluke it. But it's, you know, more often than not, it's it's unsuccessful because it's not um, understanding the, the cause of the issue and then putting in a, a customised solution that addresses the specific cause for you. Um, so I think if, if people take nothing away from these two episodes other than that, it's, it's complex, it's hard to figure out. Trial and error is very unlikely to figure it out and there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Spot on. Yep. Good summary. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode today, Steph. Uh, as always, you can hit us up at The Long Munch on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter if you want to um, suggest a topic that you'd like to, to hear about or have answered on the podcast, or if you just want to give us some, some feedback. Also, if you're on one of the main podcasting apps that has ratings and reviews, we'd love you to, to leave one there. It, it certainly helps uh, spread the word about the podcast and um you know more people find out about it which is fantastic and great feedback for us that that you know people are enjoying what they're hearing which is which is always good um so steph our next episode obviously be episode 8a of the podcast and so it's a new topic and a new guest what's our topic and and who's our guest for next week yeah so the topic is do i need to supplement with iron or do i need iron supplements a really common question that both you and I come across with the athletes that we work with, the individuals that we work with. 
Um, and uh, I know it's amongst the training group that I run with as well. Um, so we're tackling that question and we have a, um, a researcher um, by the name of Pete Peeling um, and he has done what over a decade or so um, plus research yeah. in the area of iron metabolism and its impact on um, health and performance um, and so we thought no one better than to, to get Pete um, in on board uh, and he is researching out at uh, WACE at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, Western yep. Australian Institute of Sport and University of Western Australia as well. So, uh, you know, the great thing about Pete, uh, like some of the other guests we've had on here, is that they straddle both those roles as a you know, pure researcher but also as a practitioner working with athletes in the field. So they have both that, that research rigour and, and actually publishing research on whatever topic they're, they're presenting on, but they also work with athletes on a day-to-day basis in terms of how to, you know, translate that into to real-world solutions as well, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and as um, people will hear, he's, you know, also does a bit of um, running himself. Um, but, you know, back in the day he, um, I think he probably competed to a reasonable level. Um, and I think that may have started to begin his interest in, in the area. So, um, that's always, you know, um, yeah, uh, good to know. He's got a bit of experience with it, uh, initially from personal experiences. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us today on the long march. Hope you enjoyed the, uh, podcast yet again, and we'll see you all next week for episode 8A with Pete Peeling. Awesome. Can't wait.